Hey, there are three short verses in the New Testament that are actually among my favorite verses in the Bible. They just happen to be stuck together in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I preached from the third verse, verse 18, last Sunday. I'm in this series on give thanks. And here's what 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 that we preached from last Sunday says. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. Are we still thankful today? Are we, can we give God thanks? Amen. The two previous verses actually go with verse 18. They're stuck together. They're just short little verses, small and easy to memorize. But you know what? Sometimes some of the greatest truths come in small verses. You know that saying, dynamite comes in small packages. These verses are small pills or tablets which, when dissolved slowly in the mind, can change instantly any attitude from bad to good or even from good to better. It doesn't matter if you're angry or sad or depressed or discouraged or anxious or angry. I said angry twice. Because a lot of us do get angry. These verses are really mental health transformers. I believe they are the secrets of a sunny soul. So what are they? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the first one is in verse 16, which says, Rejoice always. When I pause like that, you're, you're supposed to say something, all right? Like, yeah, or amen, or... Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. (laughs) Oh boy. Verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. Amen. Three awesome little verses. Today I want to go back and pick up on verse 16 which says, rejoice always. In fact, this is the shortest verse in the Bible in the original Greek language. In our English translations, the shortest verse is John chapter 11, verse 35. You know what it says? Jesus wept. So you can say, in a sense, there are two shortest verses in the Bible. In the Greek Bible, it is rejoice always. In our English translation, it is Jesus wept. Quite a contrast, isn't it? From weeping to rejoicing. That really shows us the range of emotions that God has put into us. Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 might be the shortest verse in the Bible, but I believe it describes the biggest living that you can have. Hmm. Let's begin by defining the word rejoice. It really comes from the root word joy. And the Greek word that Paul used here refers to the unique uplifting and the ongoing cheerfulness of the believer. Did you get that? The unique uplifting and the ongoing cheerfulness of the Christian. It is the quality of gladness that should radiate from every one of our lives. It is the helium of the soul that keeps us airborne. It is the cork-like quality of our heart that keeps us buoyant. Yes, there are certainly moments in life in which we are sad and have sorrow. But you know what? By and large, our default attitude, 
our baseline attitude, our normal state of living should be uplifting and ongoing joy. We should be cheerful. We should be glad. We should be thankful. In fact, it, it's been amazing to me over the past couple of weeks as I've studied this to find out just exactly what the Bible says about the believer and joy. So you're ready to dive in with me? Okay, let's get over our, our turkey hangover and let's get into some joy this morning. Number one, joy instantly improves our personalities. I know this as a matter of fact. Joy instantly improves our personalities. Look at your neighbor and say, you need a double shot of joy. No, don't say that really. And, and when I talk about double shot, let me just explain this. I've been really sick before and I've gone to the doctor and you know what he said to me? Well, I'm going to give you a double shot. shot in the arm. Shot, all right? Medicine. So that you can get better quicker, all right? So that's what I meant by double shot. I had to explain that to you because first service people didn't get it either, all right? They, they thought I was talking about something else. No. Joy instantly improves our personalities. Again, how do I know that? Well, the Bible talks about it. In fact, there are three passages that describe this. The first one is found in Hebrews chapter 1. I want to read verses 8 and 9. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Now, here's the scenario. God the Father is saying this about His Son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. But about the Son, He, God the Father, says, and He's saying this about Jesus, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with what? The oil of joy. Isn't that interesting? Now let me talk about this first. This is a messianic passage. It first appeared in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms 45. It is describing Jesus Christ, and it is repeated in Hebrews chapter 11. This verse tells us that God the Father has anointed His Son, Jesus Christ, with the oil of joy more than any of His companions, referring to His brothers or His fellow human beings. In other words, it's what this verse says, God the Father has anointed Jesus Christ with more joy than anyone else on planet earth. Wow. That's what I say when I, when I read that. Wow. It, isn't that interesting? Now, guys, when you come across passages like this that, that use symbolic phrases in them and symbols and metaphors, you've got to just kind of stop and pause and think exactly what, what in the world is the author talking about? What comparisons do we have between oil and joy? What, what is he talking about here? That God the Father anointed his son Jesus with the oil of joy more than anyone else on planet earth. Well, in biblical times, oil was the substance for fine, rare, and expensive Perfumes. It was a cosmetic. 
Back then, they didn't have body lotions or skin moisturizers like we do now, but they did have olive oil, which is history's original body lotion. And they learned how to add precious fragrances to make it aromatic. There are many references in the Old Testament of them taking olive oil and adding rich spices to it to turn it into perfumed oil. And the Bible is telling us here that the oil of joy is the name of the perfume that God the Father dispenses. It is the sole moisturizer that makes us warm and tender and compassionate people. It is the fragrance that makes us pleasant to be around. It's to exude from our personality the way lovely fragrances exude from someone who has anointed themselves with a pleasant perfume or cologne. Have you ever been around someone that just really, I mean, they smell good? Y'all don't don't get around much, do you? This past week, Angie and I ran into a person that we hadn't seen in a long time, months and months and months. But, but when, when we got around this person, the first thing that I noticed was the smell. And it, did, it wasn't a stink, all right? It, they, they, I don't know, it was a lady. I don't know what kind of cologne she wears, but it, it, really, it really smells, it's good smelling perfume. I mean, it really is. I guess women wear perfume, men wear cologne, okay? She had some really, and I'm, I think I'm about to get into trouble saying this in front It sounds like I'm in trouble. How do I get out of this mess, guys? I, I don't Here's my point. I don't know anyone else who wears that kind of perfume. And so when I got around this person, even though I had not seen them in months, I instantly identified them with the perfume they were wearing. Are you with me? I mean, sometimes you know people more of their smell than that you do anything. Right Now just hang on to that thought because I'm going to come back to it and get myself out of trouble here in just a minute. Here's what this passage is saying. In effect that Jesus Christ was anointed with the oil of gladness, the perfume of joy, more than any other human being in all of history. And church, I am quite sure that we have underestimated how joyful Jesus Christ was When he was on planet earth. No one could have drawn such multitudes to himself with a somber, gloomy, sour spirit. But people wanted to be around Jesus. Jesus must have had some kind of magnetic smile. A flash of cheer in his eyes. An enthusiastic attitude about life. In fact, according to this passage, Jesus had this more than anyone else in all of history. He was upbeat and positive. He was excited. He was anointed with the oil of gladness, the perfume of joy. Just how much did he have of it? Well, he had gallons of it. (laughs) He had metric tons of it. He had rivers and oceans and lakes full of joy. And not only does he want to enjoy that joy himself, he wants to pour that joy out on you. How do I know that Jesus wants to give you what he's got? Well, because of this phrase, 
the oil of joy. It's actually found three times in the Bible. We've already looked at the first two when it was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 45 and then repeated in Hebrews chapter 1. Again, those are referring to Jesus. But now I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 61. It is another one of these messianic prophecies. It was spoken years before Jesus even arrived, but it is describing Jesus, God's Son. Isaiah chapter 61. In fact, in Jesus' earthly ministry in the Gospels, he quoted part of this passage referring to himself. So we know that Isaiah 61 is all about Jesus. What does it say? Verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he himself may be glorified. So let me sum all this up. God the Father anointed God the Son with the perfume of cheerfulness more than anyone else on planet earth. And now God the Son wants to do the exact same thing for you and for me. He wants us to wear the cosmetic of inner joy all the time. And when we do, let me tell you, it instantly improves our personality. I once read about a man who smelled good wherever he was and whatever he was doing. His skin and clothing and and very being seemed to exude this pleasant fragrance. And the reason was that he worked in a perfume factory. And he breathed those aromas every single day. And over a period of time, they filtered into every piece of clothing that he owned, penetrated his skin, and even filled his lungs. He became a walking perfumery. Honestly, church, that's exactly what should be happening to those of us who are Christians. We should be walking around with the oil of joy in and on our lives. And I know we all have different personalities. God made every one of us different. All of us have different personalities. And, and sometimes I think my personality stinks. There are a lot of times I, I wished I didn't have the personality that I have. But you know what? you got to live with the cards that you're dealt with. And so I'm constantly trying to work on my personality and, and not be a negative. I don't want to be a negative. Anybody in here named Nancy? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't want to be negative, all right? Do you? So I got to work on it, man. I got to work on it. And, and God expects us all to work on our personalities. But you know what? No matter what your personality is like, you can improve it instantly if you get under the spray dispenser of God's perfume. And get a little bit of that oil of joy on your life. Biblical joy instantly improves and enhances your personality. Joy puts a smile on your face. 
Joy puts a sparkle in your eye, a bounce in your step, a warmth in your voice, a confidence in your heart, and a composure to your demeanor. Joy instantly improves our personality. Now look at your neighbor and say, you need a double shot. Okay, say it to yourself, all right? I need a double shot of that. Number two, I love this one. Joy dramatically increases our strength. I love Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah 8, 10 says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Your homework assignment, kids, is go home and, and read Nehemiah chapter 8. Here's what's happening in Nehemiah chapter 8. Ezra the prophet calls together the, the remnant of exiles who have returned to Jerusalem for the express purpose of rebuilding the temple. And in the midst of all of this, they discovered the book of the law of God. They discovered the Pentateuch, the Old Testament. And, and many of these people had never heard the word of God read before. And so here's what Ezra does. He builds this platform, wooden platform, kind of like the one I'm standing on here. And he stands on the platform. All the people are out in front of him. And he reads them the word of God. In fact, it says this in verse 8. He read from the book of the law distinctly. He gave the sense and he caused the people to understand the reading. Now, that is, I believe, the best definition of what biblical preaching is all about. Amen. He read the Word of God. He explained it clearly to the people, so much so that all of them fully understood what the Word of God said. And what was the result of that? Well, well the Bible tells us when the people heard the words of the law, they wept and they were grieved in their spirit. Why? Because they had not been obeying the word of God. But Ezra does, tells them to do something strange. Ezra told them to stop grieving. I want you to stop crying right now, he said. Go enjoy yourselves. Eat and drink and observe this as a happy, holy day. For the joy of the Lord, he said, is your strength. It reminds me something Francis Schaeffer once said. He said that God intends for Christianity to be joyful and fun. <laughs> Maybe we forget that. It's to be joyful and fun. In fact, God is saying, do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, joy is the power plant of the Christian life. Joy produces energy. It generates a constant stream of strength. When you have the joy of the Lord in you, you can keep on going. You, you can cross that Red Sea. You can climb over any mountain. God's joy gives you the strength to do that. When you have the joy in the Lord inside of you, you become a much stronger person. You're stronger emotionally. You're stronger spiritually. And I have found you even are stronger physically and mentally. The joy of the Lord becomes your strength. Amen. So you pick up that joy like a dumbbell today and you just start, man, give yourself a workout. It'll give you strength. Number one, joy instantly improves our personalities. Number two, joy dramatically increases our strength. But number three, 
Joy completely transforms our worship. I love Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. When I pause, it means what? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's what Jason and I do when we sing. You know, it's joyful. It's okay. Man, we're doing it to the Lord, right? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. So when we worship with enthusiasm and we sing with vigor and we clap our hands, we have a sense of gladness unto the Lord in worship. At least that's what I believe this passage means when it says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You're doing it in worship. And joy transforms our worship team. The next sentence says this. Serve the Lord with gladness. That is serving with joy. Not only make a joyful noise unto the Lord, but serve the Lord with joy. You know what that means? That means when you go down and, and feed at the Hope Campus that you do it with joy. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're not even feeling it, but you put a smile on your face. You do it with joy. It means that when you help out with the food bank here at Cavanaugh Church on Monday and, and feed hundreds of families throughout the year, you do it with joy. Yeah. It means that when you're serving in we worship and changing dirty diapers, <laughs> you're doing it with what? With joy. It means that when you're a greeter and you're, and you're on call, it's your week to greet. It means that you do it with, please. <laughs> it means that when you sing, woo, you do it with some joy. In your, when you give, you do it with joy. You know what? I can transfer this even to our chores at home. When you clean the dishes and clean up the kitchen after a messy Thanksgiving, you do it with what? When you, when you pull out the vacuum cleaner, men, how many of y'all have that job? That's your job. No, really, I want to see how many of you men vacuum. Okay, just a few of us. Just, just a few of us are servants like that. I told first service people, women, close your ears up right now. I'm going to got a word for the guys. The way you get out of that is you just don't do a very good job of it, and they... She, you hear, you hear, so Nathan tells me. <laughs> you, you hear. Why, don't even do this anymore, I'll do it. It works. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what you do, you do it with what, church? You do it with joy. Whatever we do, we, we do it with joy. Joy is to our daily Christian duties what blossoms are to rose bushes, or what a flag is to a flagpole. We are to serve the Lord, all right, but we're not to serve Him with just any old attitude that happens to be the attitude we have at that moment. We are not to serve Him with weariness or drudgery or worry or anger. We are to serve Him with joy. joy. Do you know this same truth which is stated here in the positive, is also given to us in the Word of God in the negative. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 47. Listen to what it says. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with 
joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Therefore, I'm going to make you serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. Now, how terrible is that? I mean, it's your choice. Okay? It is your choice to rejoice. And I'm here to tell you, joy can completely transform our worship to God, whether it is in public or in private. That brings me to my fourth statement on joy. Joy bears us through tough times. I love James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Count it pure joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So James is saying, joy doesn't leave the room when trouble walks in the door. In fact, joy does the exact opposite. Joy digs in its heels when it sees trouble walking through the door. In this verse, the word count is a financial term. It actually means to evaluate. So evaluate this. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, we all go through trials. It's part of life. It's interesting when you study this in the original language, it, it, it calls them kind of like polka dots. They're everywhere. And, and you just kind of turn into them. And we do that, don't we? I mean, you get up one day, you're, not, you're expecting it to be a great day, and the first thing, there's trouble. You walk out, there's a flat tire. You know? You're driving home from, from visiting family Thanksgiving. You get pulled over by a state trooper. That didn't happen to me yesterday, okay? I'm just... But it has happened to me before, all right? You know, things you don't expect, all of a sudden there's a trial, there's trouble there. You know what that's called? Life. <laughs> it is. And James is saying, when you encounter these various trials, you are to count it joy. Now, how that doesn't make any sense, does it? Well, he goes on to explain. Through those trials and through those difficult times, God is producing perseverance in your faith. God is working inside of you. He's using those, he's using those red seas. Thank you for using that illustration. It's perfect, perfect. He's using those difficulties, those red seas, those mountains, that enemy behind you to teach you something about living for him. And you know what? If you don't go through tough times... You're just going to be a wimp. You're, you're not going to have any strength. I, I am, and I may not be much of a man today, but I am the man I am and the preacher I am because of the junk I've gone through in my life. You know, I, I, I badmouth Pine Bluff, all that. Pine Bluff wasn't bad. Some of the people there were the best friends I still have today. But let me tell you, ministry in Pine Bluff was the most difficult thing I've ever gone through in my life. Every day was difficult. Every night I prayed into my couch so that Angie and Whitney couldn't hear me, but I'd pray, God, I can't take much more of this. I can't go through another day like I had today. You know what? The next day would be worse. <laughs> you know what? Now I can look back and I can thank God for those tough days in ministry because it transformed me. It taught me, it taught me real life ministry. It taught me what Four years of Bible college and four years of seminary could not teach me. 
So I, I thank God for those difficult times, for those trials. Why? Because I know through the testing of my faith, God is producing patience inside of me. And I know that the same God who led me to that trial is going to lead me over that trial. So I can do what? I can count it all joy. One of the men that I most admire reading about is the the leader and the founder of the Salvation Army. His name was Samuel Logan Bringle. His writings on holiness are still some of the best writings on holiness today. Late in his life, Bringle's health began to fail. He had always been strong and vigorous, but now he had just a, he had a multitude of problems. His heart was failing. He was losing his eyesight. But you know what his attitude was? Writing to a friend, he said, My old eyes just keep getting dimmer. The specialist says that the light will eventually fade altogether. So, I gird myself for darkness. I quote James 1 verse 2. I shout hallelujah and I go on. Uh, That's pretty good advice for all of us. That's what it means to count it all joy. We quote James chapter 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We shout, Hallelujah! And we just go on. But here's where the rubber meets the road. Some of you are there today. Some of you are facing those trials right now. I know... Because I've been here for 21 years. I know, I know what you've been through. I know what you're going through. I know for many of you, Thanksgiving and Christmas, it, it, now, it, it used to be a joyous occasion. Now it's a drudgery because of the problems in your family and the, and the separation that you have with, with family members or the death of a loved one. I, I know what others of you are going through with, with sickness, with the deterioration of your own health. I know the financial difficulty that some of you have been facing. I know the problems that that are festering in your marriage and in your family. I know the tough times that we all have. We all have that. We all face that. Some of you right now more than, than any other time in your life. But you know what? Those are the realities of life. They are not the reason for you to lose your joy, though. In fact, they are the very reason you need to choose joy. You need the strength that joy provides. You need the inner resources of the Holy Spirit. You need the radiance that comes from Christ himself. You need to remember to make a joyful noise before the Lord and to serve the Lord with gladness. You need to remember that in his presence is fulfilling joy and that you can even count it all joy when you face those diverse trials. For the joy of the Lord is your strength and the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So, my message today is real simple. Choose joy. Look at your neighbor and say, choose joy. Do do that. Tell them, choose joy. You know why? Joy instantly improves your personality. It increases your energy. It transforms your worship. And it bears you up under difficulties. You know what it is? 
It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. And if you choose joy today, you can walk out of this building singing this ancient hymn, one of the greatest hymns ever written. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. Choose joy. Picture this. Jesus, the Son of God, who was given the oil of joy more than any other human being, is here with us today. And he wants to dispense some of his joy into your life. Dude, let me tell you, you would be foolish to walk out of here today without getting (laughs) some of that joy. I'm going to get some today. In fact, here in a moment when we open the altars up, I'm going to kneel right where I am. I'm going to ask God to, to fill my heart with joy. Why? Because I am rejoicing always. God, fill me with your joy. If you need to have some of the oil of joy anointed on you today, just come down here and ask him. He'd be glad to dispense it in your life. And your family would be glad for it too. (laughs) Heavenly Father.